0: Here we are past the halfway point of 2016, and here I am, for the third time this year, talking about KISS. Yes, be warned, take cover. This is yet another KISS episode. I've said this over and over again that the podcast Moonlights is a KISS podcast, but I always say it with a mixture of trepidation and embarrassment. I know that KISS isn't for everyone. They're a very popular band— One of the biggest of all time. They've gone gold, they've gone platinum, sold millions of records. But think about all the people who didn't buy KISS records. They're the majority. And those are the people I am more aware of when I talk about KISS on this platform dragging listeners who may not like their music through another nauseating discussion on a band that means little to them. So be it. I find the only way I can persistently pull it off is if I wrangle someone else to partner up with, and also someone who many may not know to be a big Kiss fan. It's almost like thumbing my nose at their Kiss disdain. Earlier this year, I had Frank Novinick from Hatebreed on episode 119 and Abath on episode number 126, both talking about their extreme fandom for the band. It wasn't surprising that both were fans, but rather it was the extent of their fandom that surprised me. Again, it happened, after I had Inge Johansson on the podcast earlier this year on episode number 118. Inge was the bassist in the now-defunct INC, International Noise Conspiracy, and now plays in Against Me. Him and I talked about Glenn Danzig and Danzig's recent Skeletons covers album, and afterwards, he emailed me and divulged that he was a big KISS fan as well, and that he'd love to come back sometime and talk about KISS with me. Well, that time is now. As luck would have it, we were in Umeå, Sweden, Inge's hometown, to play the U-Rock Festival at the Campus Arena this past May 26th. And he was in town. If Inge is home, and there's a KISS talk to be had... There is no way I can plow through town without having him on the podcast, so that's what we did. This was the first festival of the summer season, and our first show in five months. I was a little nervous to play, but talking about KISS and hanging with Inge here really took my mind off any unnecessary nerves. We talked KISS, I played rock. Overall, it was a great day. Now, many of these podcasts are recorded on the road, like this one. So are the intros. Currently, I'm five weeks into a seven-week summer festival tour. I don't have my usual blue mics to record this podcast's intro, so I'm doing this in a makeshift style. I hope you don't mind the possible low-tech sound of my voice, but I have to make do in order to stay on target, keep on schedule, and have you hear this wonderful discussion with Inge and I talking about KISS, the hottest band in the land. Thanks to Blue Mic Microphones and Skull Candy Headphones for supporting the podcast. This podcast supports Chino Locos restaurants because sometimes I want a fish burrito stuffed with chow mein noodles. And this podcast supports, well, KISS <laughs> and KISS products. Here we go. Inge Johansson is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best out-round. the Flanagan is Danko's co on, tell them for free, I'm so glad i like you sometime. in from fuck-toe, stop playing, hey, don't, don't.
1: Danko Jones has a podcast. It's called the Danko Jones Podcast. Love. Da da, da. girls get ready because the daco jones podcast starts now. warmed up but feeling. like yeah. I'm, I'm happy to see you i'm uh, re- you know laid back in this hotel room of yours that you know they put a very modern touch to this <laughs> this was built um for the uh Umeo was the cultural capital of Europe in the year 2014. No so way. The, yeah 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 Th- that's why the city center looks completely different from when you were here the first time and even like 5 years ago it didn't look like this. I moved from Umeo in 2011 and that's when they started sort of rebuilding everything in the city center. So it, it yeah this this is a new place with a
0: supposedly a, more of a cultural <laughs> touch. I think the first time we came here was in 02, and mm-hmm. all you guys came out. Totally. All, the, all The noise conspiracy. All you guys were here. And uh, I remember when we revisited here years later. Yeah. Maybe even like six years later. And I did feel it was different, but then when we came the first time, it was like, it was total darkness. Yep. And very cold and i couldn't really make heads or tails of anything
1: i remember that show uh i just got back from a long in many many ways a long (laughs) u.s australian tour uh one of those tours and we were about to split up the band (laughs) and i uh went to see danko jones play at the I think you played at the university. Yeah, that I was time. gonna say it yeah. was something like a mm-hmm. campus thing. Yeah, yeah, and same area as you're gonna play tonight. Actually. Okay, but you're. I think you're outdoors. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And I remember that show because I, it was one of those like, I had been home for not even a week, sort of like now, and just like, got up there, super jet lagged, and just like, wasn't feeling very good about all that, like, you know, what was going on in the band, and I think. I mean it all you know resolved <laughs> later on but but that was like so okay okay something's cool it's gonna happen all right okay i'm gonna go to the show and uh, and 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 i remember i got so happy because you played that hey papa i'm oh, just yeah. like you and you looked at me and like, hey, Inge. <laughs> did I say I, was, that? Yeah, I must have said it. You, you did that in one one of the courses and I started <laughs> laughing so much. So that made me so happy. I still remember that to this very day. I was just like, oh, yeah, that was fun. You know, <laughs> that's
0: how I remember this city. Mm-hmm. Umiya. I remember it because I'm like, oh, that's where Noise Conspiracy is from. That's yeah. how I remember this city. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how, that's how, because of that show. That's pretty you guys, cool. Yeah, you guys all showed up. I'm like, oh, wow, this show is going to be fucking great, man. <laughs> fucking noise conspiracies here. So, yep. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Came by, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, now, you know, we did the podcast over Skype. We did. I, I thought that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, man. And
1: I got a lot of positive feedback from friends listening to it. Including one London May. Including one
0: London did May. He, did he contact you about it?
1: Yeah, we've been hanging out lately because I've been hanging out in Los Angeles yeah, a lot yeah, right. lately. And, and he was he was stoked on it. And he thought, you know, oh, you guys were so cool. You know, you're so, oh, my God. And it was like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about you. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, knowing that we'll be in Umiya and, you know, who knows where you are in the world right now, but you just happen to be nearby. Yep. So instead of doing a dancing podcast number 2 your <laughs> y- you you had the idea to your suggestion was doing a kiss podcast yeah. i didn't know that you were this big of a kiss fan to be honest with you i'm i'm uh,
1: okay this is very problematic for me it's it's uh people because as i told you i i don't really listen to kiss that much i um but I spend at least like one hour every day thinking about Kiss <laughs> in some kind of active way, you know? I follow all the social media, I mean, all the fan groups on Facebook. I buy every biography, every DVD. I In 2013, they released all the, like, their catalog on vinyl again, reshoot. I bought all of those. Didn't uh, listen to it but bought it. No, yeah, yeah. They no, I mean they, they look very good next to the other like eighty KISS LPs that I own. Um KISS was the band that got me into music. Like I, I um I was seven years old in nineteen eighty four and I heard Heaven's on Fire on the radio. And I that's when I start started liking music. That's when uh I realized that I, I I I like rock music. I like pop music. That it happened. I, I that's when I had that big moment of like when when you have that like you you get you, you, I got so I remember being so still to this very day. I can remember how it, that music just filled me up with positive, strong positive feelings and. It didn't help that I got to see the video on Swedish television later on. And they just looked cool and long hair and like guitars that looked like axes. And one guy was jumping in a ring of fire. And I didn't understand what all the girls were doing there. And, you know, (laughs) that that came later on. But, man, yeah, that was like my introduction to music. Kiss was... um, to me, as important part of my childhood as um, Star Wars. If you were born in the like mid or late seventies, you know, you a lot of especially boys, I guess, have a special relationship to Star Wars. So it was like Kiss and Star Wars, and they were equally uh, unreal. <laughs> there was like no difference between Ace riley and Luke Skywalker. Right. It was like yeah, the I, same. Yeah, I understand yeah and i totally lived that band and that fantasy um up until when i got into heavier stuff you know when i was around 11 12 then i got into uh maybe um metallica and like harder bands like that and then i sort of segued on into punk uh but yeah i I had I, i did that sort of beginning with kiss and maiden and, and priest and and then on to to Metallica and, and <clears throat> a flirt with Swedish death metal and all that and uh, so yeah they were a, a, such an important part of my life and, and part of why I'm into music and for a while I could even like consider like seeing my whole family, Die tragically in a car accident or something if it meant that I could be adopted by either Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Peter Grace, <laughs> or <is friendly>. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that that is uh, that's pretty diehard. <laughs> yeah, I mean.
0: um, but but uh, where's the dilemma that you speak of?
1: Um, it's like it's one of those things where, um. I, I like to say that I'm not afraid of spiders. I just respect them. It's sort of the same thing when I say,
0: "Oh, I don't, I don't really like kiss."
1: I'm uh, <laughs>
0: sort <That's>, of, <laughs> you know. But I understand that. I understand it because you like the entity, the concept, yeah. more than the actual content, right?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a g- very good way of. Putting but I
0: understand. It. I understand that because I, I really believe. Uh, KISS is bigger than their songs. Definitely. And it's the reason why, you know, I write for Close Up here in Sweden, Close Up Magazine. Yeah, yeah. And my editor, Roban, sent me an email once and he said, stop writing about KISS. It's enough. You've (laughs) written about KISS for a whole year nonstop. We're getting letters from readers, you know, getting pissed off that you don't talk about anything else. And I... I understood it I stopped <laughs> but but I also the reason why is because there's just after 40 plus years of being a band you're you're more than just your songs you, you there's so many other things that have happened and these guys don't stray away from the spotlight they're they're not you know recluses they yeah. go out and they take chances and a lot of failures along the way mm-hmm. and that's what makes them i think endearing to all of us and keeps us fans and it keeps them interesting you know and you, when you when you have no failures or any stumbling stumbles, mm-hmm. your 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 credibility is pristine, but it's also kind of boring, you know. And the the what makes Kiss so enjoyable to talk about is yeah. the some of their missteps,
1: definitely, or just the fact
0: that you and
1: I suffer from Kiss Tourettes. That we see things and we're just like, oh, and you make a kiss association (laughs) and you start talking about kiss. Absolutely. That happens to me a lot. Uh, Well, yeah, they've been around for 40 years uh, plus. Yeah. And 35 of those years are, it's just madness. It's a lot of missteps and there's a lot of... uh, you know trial and error and a lot of building an image where there's no like real like an image of being bigger than they actually are and all that and and still they manage to cling on and and um i have um i sort of as i said like i i spend a lot of time thinking about kiss and talking about kiss but i don't listen to them that much that part of that part of my life is, is i i or at least i don't really follow like i mean i bought sonic boom and I, I i bought monster but it doesn't um even though they're really trying to to um sort of recreate something from the past it doesn't really register with me i i i rather listen to stuff that was um I mean, the kiss that I discovered in in real time was Jean Paul, Bruce, and Eric. You right. know the the eighties lineup, right. <laughs> yeah. which is incredibly important to me. And that's the kind of stuff you kind of get nostalgic about today, when because the non makeup era was so short. If you compare it to like all those years after they got back together and they've been wearing makeup. So that's almost the, the, the era now that you sort of get a bit nostalgic about.
0: And I do. Uh, 13 years out of 40 years was spent without makeup. Yeah. And um, th- exactly how you say is how I feel is that's the era that I feel is the... Slowly as time moves forward, that will become the special era of KISS. That 13 years of like yeah. not wearing the makeup. And that is overlooked. Not to also to mention that within that era, they put out some real lemons. I mean, terrible records. But they also put out a couple of really, really good ones.
1: Oh yeah, man! I, you know, I totally agree. And it was basically the Paul Stanley band during yeah. that time. You know, yeah. he kept it alive. Gene was busy doing all other things, and, and Bruce and Eric, or. Mark or Alvin, you know they were just like, I mean they were hired guns basically. We we didn't understand that when we were kids, but now we do, you know. Um, and I think that looking back on it now, they uh, it's so funny that they talk about those years of being sort of, you know, those were the rough years, the hard years. They were out in the cold and all that, but they still. Sold like platinum, and they toured not stadiums but arenas, and and they had singles and all that. So, uh, you know that's Kiss's perspective on things when they're not in touch. You know, know. oh my God, this is so rough. We got (laughs) only eight thousand people here in Leipzig tonight. Oh, this sucks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's funny when they talk about it. Yeah, because they did score like arguably like their biggest hits. Really, I mean, I mean, of course, there's rock and roll all night and Beth, um, but there's like Heaven's on Heaven's fire. Heaven's on fire. It's like Ultimately, huge. Lick it be. up was huge too. Enormous. you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know you can go down the list. There was um, Forever was a huge, huge hit.
1: It's their biggest hit since Beth, actually. Really. Yep, that's their second, second to Beth.
0: Second to Beth. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it's crazy. It's think w- about that.
0: Written by Michael Bolton, co-written I think. Co-written by, by
1: Michael Bolton. And I mean, what other way? Like, what other better way to tell somebody to tell someone like "I love you" than a power ballad co-written by Paul Stanley and <laughs> Michael Bolton?
0: <laughs> Come on. It is. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's there's just so many. Even within that thirteen years. There's so many sides to it because yeah. you had them going for the power ballad um, market, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we'll get all the, the the girls and the girlfriends and the boyfriends and the couples. We'll get them this way. But then, in within those thirteen years, they're like, oh, we gotta we gotta step it up, make it heavy again. So revenge was within that that era too, and yeah. that was their kind of return to heavy as as it was marketed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was also the whole at the end of it it's like oh my god like Alice and Chains and Pearl Jam we gotta do this grunge thing <laughs> yeah. so Carnival of Souls and stuff so it's, it's a very interesting era of 13 years yeah I, I got a feeling to that the
1: years were longer in the 80s and the 70s I know right than yeah, they are I are now that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: 13 years ago, 13 years ago that Umiya show yeah that was, <laughs> I mean
1: we haven't 14 changed. years ago we haven't changed a bit yeah you're still here in your helicopter shirt and I'm wearing this dancing <laughs> stuff and it's just the same you know There's a lot of parallels between KISS and The Beatles, right? Oh, I agree. Yeah, KISS is basically oh, yeah. The Beatles meets McDonald's. Perfect description. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. I, I would agree. A very Americanized yeah. version of The Beatles. Yeah. It's looking at the cover of Destroyer and you're seven years old and it says, Buy me. You know, yeah. and you do. Um so i i would say like the first kiss album from nineteen seventy four kiss it's it's their um meet the Beatles, basically, and i could see destroyer being their sergeant pepper in a way
0: yep well, I, I yeah yeah no it is yeah i can see that uh and what else uh they, there's yellow submarine and um, <laughs> uh what is it uh is it help like like movies, yeah, paralleling with um, records, kiss meets a phantom, yeah, yeah, then, you know,
1: yeah, uh, so that would be, uh, I could see Dynasty being there, um, Abbey Road or Let It Be, you know, with like a darker, more serious sort of touch on things, you know, as and hot in the shade, <laughs> it's the White House. <laughs> I know. Uh, I I said that in oh. a kiss group on Facebook, and, uh, and uh, <laughs> shit. Uh, I can't uh, even move my lips. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then because did the internet blow up? <laughs> they, yeah, that. that group blew up, and I was like, oh my god, what did I do? Because like the White Album is basically a bunch of. Please tell me what you. <laughs> Please explain the Beatles, the White Album. It's a bunch of songs that were written, everybody were like in their own corners working with separate songwriters and other musicians and sort of brought demos and all that and it's way too long, it's like two discs and all that and it could have been a very good like one album, one album. but they wanted to include everything they had just to see and a lot of like different styles on that album songwriting wise just to see what, you know, throw it to the wall and see what sticks, you know? And, and Hot in the Shade it was done with the same sort of attitude. Like, everybody, we just brought in a lot of those songs are just demos with drum machines still. And, and
0: It's they, probably why I don't like the sound, uh uh-huh. you know, of the album. I, I, I can't really listen to it because I don't like the sound.
1: And it's being like it's on one disc. One, it, I think it's 18 or 17 songs squeezed into one, like cheap, thin, uh, 80s vinyl, you know. Hot in the Shade is a long, long, long play. Uh, so I always thought like, yeah, that's that's the white album of Kiss. <laughs> and I yeah, know you're pe- right. People got mad at me in that Kiss group when I said that. But if I have if had said that in a Beatles group, things would have been way worse
0: <laughs> for me. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would I definitely I would say that. But I, 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 I yeah, you're, yeah, Hot in the Shade for me it's like one of the. I just can't. It's almost it's unlistenable to me. I, 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 respect that, and I, I, and I love that era. Yeah. Like I love that hard rock era that they were trying to capture. Yeah. But I just I just never believed it when Paul and Jean tried it. And they did that rise to it
1: video with you know wearing makeup again and they looked so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just like they did not look they looked way younger in '96 when they put the makeup back on. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know,
0: plastic surgery, perhaps. I don't know. But I still. thought, I, I honestly thought I, I was, I thought it was a tease and, uh, to to them putting it back on even back then. I think
1: they were testing the waters. Yeah. But it didn't really resonate with the mainstream.
0: Uh, uh, because it was before the internet. You know, if we uh-huh. had the internet, I think, and if they read it, they would have just gone, "Okay, we should put it back on." Because I think everybody would have just gone. But when they put it finally put it on, I think they did it at the right time. They waited oh, yeah. long enough. Oh and...
1: man, yeah, it was perfect. They they let it ripen, and uh, you know how everything popular c- culture goes in circles. Um, everything old gets new again after like twenty years. Yeah. And in in the nineties, the seventies became cool again with a lot of like the grunge bands. Um,
0: that 70s show. Yeah,
1: it was stuff like that, you yeah. know, when that, that stuff came back. And all of a sudden a lot of those popular bands are, are name-dropping Kiss as their mm. main influence. Yeah, <clears throat> And all of a sudden, you know, what happens? Yeah, Revenge, fantastic record, but it was just a bit too late. It was released in 91, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, if that if Revenge was out in 89 instead, then things might have looked very differently if, if Unholy had become their uh, Enter Sandman song. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, no, you know, like, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Something could have happened there. Yeah. Uh, but um, it was a bit too little too late, you know, even though I, I really like that album and it's a solid lineup with Eric and, 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 and Bruce. Yeah. Uh, and they looked cool. They did. Yeah, I thought
0: Paul looked really good for a front man. You know, like uh, twenty plus years in by this point, and he was looking really good.
1: Yeah, and Gene had that goatee with. Something. Yeah, he's looking
0: tough. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just like that's what you should have done for "Lick It Up," man. You know, <laughs> like come
0: on. I I think I think they did the right thing for "Lick It Up" because you know you know hindsight, of course, you would change a few things here and there. Yeah. But for w- what they did and what they had, what they knew. I thought Lick It Up was so solid. And they were already back then working with separate writers as well, you know. Um, But unlike the Beatles, partitioning off in four different groups, you only had really the Paul camp and the Gene camp. Yeah. They would throw Eric a bone every now and then, you Mm know.
1: Eric Carr, it's a touchy subject to talk about, you know, because of... His death and the way he was so unhappy with his situation in Kiss, and that they never really—he um, was very unhappy with being in Kiss for the last few years of his career, and then he he, he passed away, and and there was no sort of uh, coming to an end of that, you know. And I—that's like for a lot of Kiss fans, I know that's an um, an open wound still, you know.
0: But to defend Paul and Gene, I mean, you only just go through life as you know it. I mean, if they knew that he would pass away earlier, of course, they would have probably been more open to more of his ideas and and made him feel more comfortable in the band. But you can't hold it against Gene and Paul for just, you know, bands are the way they are. Yeah, I I would never hold, no, no,
1: that's not what I mean. I just know that... uh, uh, in hindsight, you know things yeah. could have been a bit different, and and Eric Carr is one of those like, he, that f- I, I never met him, I never saw him live, but the impression you got was that he was really like nice, down to earth, and and he knew how lucky he was being kissed. Yeah, you know? I, I got
0: I, I, from what I've read and yeah. what I've seen. Yes, I have that same impression as well, mm. but from you know looking at it from gene and paul's perspective i can see how they would think like well you're not an original member mm-hmm. you know you didn't start this thing with us you know you're a monster drummer and that's all you're gonna you are to us you know yeah. i could see that um but yeah it's 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 a tough situation walking into an already established institution yeah definitely. not just a band so, I could see how they're more protective of you know what they you know do, but it would have been amazing and I think if Eric had kept going like yeah. if he had lived, I have a feeling they would have brought him back in with the makeup he could have you know maybe even made a record with him, yeah. creatures of the night 2, you know he could have he could have kept going you know the the possibilities are endless
1: definitely and and especially now when uh rock music and bands have been around for so long, there's no rules anymore for how you want to set up uh, what you want to... I mean, Black Sabbath, they're sort of doing their farewell tour now. But I could see them, you know, bringing Tony Martin back into the band Mm -hmm. and doing like a Headless Cross thing, you know. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. And I would be stoked. <laughs> and, and
0: same goes for Kiss. You know, uh, on the Kiss boat, I was talking to Frank from Hatebreed, who's also a huge Kiss fan. Yeah. He said on the Kiss cruise, they're going to focus on Creatures of the Night yeah. for this cruise. But what's to stop them from focusing in on, you know, let's say uh, Animalize in the future and just bring in Bruce mm-hmm. and play all the songs and... Let's be let's be honest. It would be a hell of a lot easier to not have to put on the makeup for them and the for costumes. I know yeah. they're used to it, but they just walk up and just play. Yeah, you know. I think, you know, the, yeah. Like the possibilities are endless, and there's no rules anymore. They no. don't have to adhere to the makeup.
1: Definitely, no. and I think one of the coolest things in in history is is their '95 unplugged show, at MTV, just showing that because they were so used to playing acoustic they, they wrote a lot of songs on acoustic guitars and singing harmonies they had been doing that for 20 years at that point and they were so good and and that was when Paul was still a like a killer singer at that point would, and they looked good and and <clears throat> the selection of songs was they didn't pick just the hits, they picked the songs that would sound good, Unplugged. Just so smart. And then, of course, Ace and, and Peter entering the, the gig like at, at the end of it, which is... It's so strange when I think about it, because I remember seeing KISS MTV Unplugged in... The, I think MTV aired it in December '95. <laughs> And I watched it, and I, I I saw because that was sort of like pre internet was around, but information was not yeah it was still in the era of like alpha Vista and stuff like that you know? <laughs> and, and you didn't know you you didn't know that you only knew that gene and ace and 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 they had been fighting in magazines and like you know taking punches at each other and all that and, and and they seemed so on such bad terms and all of a sudden they used to walk up and they, they played together and and all those uh, you know those those old posters you had and the the, the the videotapes that you had seen of them from the 70s and all that and and it felt so so long ago and all of a sudden that was real again and it's so mind-blowing to think about that today that between, you and I sitting here today uh, on the 26th of May in, in 2016 in Umeå. It's been longer now between us being here and KISS reuniting at MTV Unplugged in '95 than it was between the release of Destroyer and MTV Unplugged. It's crazy.
0: Say it again. So you know, from, it's like from, from
1: it it's it's a shorter time between the release of Destroyer to MTV, MTV Unplugged, Unplugged than it, it is from MTV Unplugged to you and I sitting here talking about Kiss. Has it? Yeah.
0: Twenty one years ago. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> it's
1: insane. Yeah, you're right. Puts perspective on things, right? Like, from 76 yeah. to 95. Oh, that's... 95 to yeah.
0: 2016. That's crazy when I think <laughs> about it like that. Yeah. What's the, what's the starting point again? From... MTV is the end point. What's a Destroyer. Yeah. From Destroyer to MTV Unplugged yeah. is 76. shorter yeah. than when MTV to now. Yeah. Holy. I mean, think about that. I yeah, time is fucking flying. That's what I'm saying. The years were longer in the 80s. Because we weren't on the internet. Probably, Sucking yeah. up like an hour goes by now when you're on the computer and you're answering four um, emails. Yep. And then you look on your phone and you're like, three texts? There's an hour. Yeah, definitely. And there's, you know, less, less options too, I think. You know, you just had TV and... If you're Books. lucky, you might have had a video game system or yeah, your yeah. friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now everyone yeah. has,
1: and that was also uh, a part of why Kiss was so important to me. I grew up in a village, like two and a half hours north of Umeå. Around 600 people live there, and very like industrial, Christian, hockey, backwards. <laughs> and when you're Pre-information age, growing up, being into music over there—it's—it's. It's, I mean, you—if you say that you want to do music, you could uh, as well say, "Yeah, I want to be an astronaut." You know, it makes mm-hmm. just as much sense. And 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 being into a band like Kiss when you're an outsider and you're ten—it <laughs> creates uh, with that all that image and the music and the, looking at record covers and all that. It, it helps to create a bigger inner world for you when your outer world is, is, is sort of limited. And I think that's something that a lot of people yours and, and my age can relate to with them. They, growing up with them uh, and being a fan of that band when you were a kid was, was very stimulating for your imagination and for your perception of, of
0: music. It, that's a good point. And I think it won over a lot more people than they're credited for in terms of you know making music their li- livelihood and yeah. life, or at least making music a priority. Uh huh. Definitely. And I'm
1: I'm sure that I mean I drifted on to, to punk in the early '90s, and, and that's that shape like reshaped me again. Like that was a very important part of my. Uh, that's what what I'm doing now. But but. It had to start somewhere, and and if you're seven or eight years old, it's it's easier to get into Kiss than let's say the Sex Pistols. Yeah. Every and I don't mean to say anything bad about the Sex Pistols saying that, but but Kiss are not being credited enough for that, you know, for for putting some imagination back into mm-hmm. rock and roll. Yeah. In, in a time where it wasn't really happening so uh yeah i, th- I think that's um, something that we can both agree on and that's why they still they're in the back of our heads because they have that larger than life thing that like road dogs like you and i we we will never really get there <laughs> But
0: yes it's true <laughs> Yeah, the options are just endless now for for everybody. Not just kids, but for, for all of us. Yeah. It's a one... The way that KISS still keep, managed to stay in the news and stay in the headlines is because they got us. They got all us. All those years ago. They got us all this... So, you know, when Gene says something in the news, I will always, like, pay attention to it. I even though I disagree with him 99% of the time.
1: Yeah, I mean... When he's not breathing fire, spitting blood, or singing God of Thunder, he should shut up. Yeah,
0: he's spitting blood and breathing fire. Yeah. When he's not doing that, yeah. he's actually doing that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true.
0: Um, but yeah, I mean that—that that, I mean that's another podcast unto itself. Like just what Gene Simmons says. Oh my
1: god. But gosh.
0: recently, it was actually very interesting. Oh if yeah. If you heard about all that, and oh. you obviously did.
1: Yes, I did, and and, and it puzzles me, but. Uh, I'm not, and also how Gene is the face of the band nowadays, but Paul runs the show. Yeah, it's so obvious that Paul is pulling the strings and he he calls the shots.
0: You know, it's it's interesting the the tweets that Paul did. That one tweet that Paul did actually did a couple, mm-hmm. and uh, but the one tweet that made the news. Yeah, um, just confirmed what i think a lot of like real kiss fans knew already. Yeah. Um and uh i think in the beginning i could be wrong, but in the in other years it's kind of been like Paul's follow suit with Gene, but these days and i don't know how long these days have been. Yeah, like you said, Paul's Paul's the boss. I think it came like that transitionary period when Gene was trying to score that movie career. Mm-hmm. Paul just took the reins and then
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's strange because like during the entire eighties Paul wrote all the good songs and even on like Smashes, Trashes and Hits, he's front on the cover, and the other guys are like in the back. In the videos for that record, he's not even playing guitar. He's just dancing and singing like a front man. And then uh revenge and all that, you know, they shift the gears a bit. Uh you had the reunion, uh it's interesting, they did that grunge record too, the Carnival of Souls record, where that was Gene's ID. He was like, yeah, we have to... You don't understand music these days, Paul. This is what the kids want to hear. <laughs> and but then they shelved it. Yeah, they, they really it. <laughs> and and it's just, then Gene uh, took charge, and Paul didn't like that. So, like, Paul, you can either, like... Okay, you can complain about gene not being there but when he's there if you don't like what he's doing like how do you want it like he if he's gonna contribute he's gonna do different stuff yeah. than, than, than you and then you had the entire reunion thing farewell tour and then rock the nation uh, and then everything sort of blurs together for me after 2004 after uh, that a live symphony thing. I'm not really like the tours sort of are sort of never ending and never beginning. I I don't get
0: it. <clears throat> I think after for me it's after the reunion. I I just can't keep up, and I don't I don't I, I'm unless there's something that kind of pops itself up in the news. I'll pay attention, but like you said, Gene's always playing catch up.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. his
0: solo album, <clears throat> um, Gene's last solo album compared to Paul's. So, last yeah. solo album, yeah. you could really tell that Paul is happy. Paul knows who he is. He's not trying to chase anything. No, and you either you, you either love it or you don't.
1: Yeah.
0: Whereas Gene's always going like, "Hey, I'm everything hey, for everybody. I'm like you, kids. You know. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> hey, Prodigy's really, you know, really popular. Hey, I'm
1: gonna do Firestar. Let's
0: do, do Firestar. That's it's great. I you know breathe fire and." Yeah prodigy <laughs> all the kids love it yeah and that just shows that he's he's but you, you'll you'll always lose in that game yeah you know so paul you know you might not like everything like the paul stuff and i understand but at least he's being himself he's he's writing songs
1: yeah. he's doing what he he likes to doing and yeah carnival of Souls was the perfect example of like yeah Here's a band that no one cares about writing music for a, um, a demographic of fans that are not into KISS. And the people who are into KISS, is, they are not into this kind of music. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also what makes them so fantastic. Fun. It's yeah. fun as hell. I love it, man. Like uh, Because the... I'd rather have that than, yeah. let's say, I mean when Sonic Boom came out and everybody was just like, yeah, Paul is producing, they're just the band, no outside writers, and it's gonna look a bit like, you know, rock and roll over and all that. And you listen to it and it's like, yeah, they went into the lab and they tried to Frankenstein rock and roll over. But just like in the movie, Frankenstein, you know, the monster escapes and and throws a kid in the lake. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it did not turn out the way it was uh, intended to do so yeah
0: it's I would I almost wish that they would let like an old school Kiss fan who's be, who's you know a producer in their own right or whatever
1: Nicky Anderson.
0: that's a great idea
1: he should produce the next
0: Kiss that's him. a great idea Nicky but you know the they'll course. never they'll never let go of the reins completely even if they bring him in but that would be an. Am- I would love to hear that Kiss record.
1: Yeah, because I mean, Imperial State Electric—they sound more like Kiss than Kiss do. Mm. Many times. Yeah. It's almost like you see them live, and and oh, they're gonna do the encore. Is the drummer gonna come and sing <laughs> on a like a, a chair and, and sing Beth? What's gonna happen here? Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's a great idea. Holy smokes! I mean, if Paul's listening. Let let this guy. His name's Nicky Anderson. He used to be in the helicopters. Just Paul, if you're listening, yeah. like just just give him a call.
1: Yeah, give him a call. Yeah, he's <laughs> a
0: good guy. He's I, a
1: good he's guy. a very good guy. Yeah, I think
0: yeah. they open helicopters open for Kiss uh, on one of those
1: 97. I was there
0: Scandinavian uh, tours. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, they blew uh, them off stage. <laughs> um, I mean that that would be an amazing. Uh,
1: I know that Imperial State Electrical also open oh, for kids. Th- Oh they did. Yes. Oh that's cool. Yes, yeah, so they cool. they have sort of f- they've been in the same room. I don't know how much they have interacted as, yeah, as right, people. I right. I I don't know. Right. Uh, I don't know if I if I ever met Gene or Paul or what like I I'm not sure that I would be able to like uh, what do you
0: say? That they haven't heard a million times. And yeah uh, yeah, when I met Gene... Uh, you met Gene? Yeah, yeah, in Philadelphia in 05. No way, man. And he was really cool to us. Really cool. And we were at WYSP in Philadelphia. The radio station was putting on a, an event called Babe Fest. <laughs> and it was kind of like a wet t-shirt contest. <laughs> and we were one of the Dan bands. Jones
1: playing Babe Fest. <laughs> we were one of the bands
0: playing. And uh, Gene Simmons was the host of the event. <laughs> And so we were at the radio station plugging the the evening and, you know, on the air. And then, you know, they went to a song and then they got the call. uh, Gene's on his way up. And I was like, holy fuck. This is going to be it, man. I'm going to meet Gene Simmons. And he walked in and he was really nice. He shook all our hands. He knew that everybody had stopped talking and they were just watching him. This is off the air. And he was totally nice. And for the rest of the day... He had, a, he had the biggest room backstage, obviously,
1: yeah.
0: um, but he was the only one. He was an entourage of one. He <laughs> came by himself. There was no other person with him. Wow. So he was just sitting in the room, almost, I would say, bored, because I walked by his room, and I kind of looked, and I couldn't see him. I was peeking into the room because it was so big. Then he was, he was at the other end in a chair, and he just goes, come, come. So I walked in. And uh, we took some photos and, uh, I, I, you know, I, I walked in and I grabbed my records and, and markers and, and yeah. then the other guys came in and we took some photos and we talked and he was really nice. You know, he is, you know, he is Gene Simmons and he saw us play, yeah. you know, and whatever. But I mean, what, whatever. <laughs> but it was wow. it was a it was a great moment. He didn't ruin it for me, basically, you know, and that's the thing. He didn't. He, he, I've heard varying stories about yeah. Gene and Paul, especially Jean, that it could go left or right, but thank God it, it went okay.
1: I think in person, without a microphone or a camera on him, he's a sweetheart. That's the impression I get of Gene. Like, if he wants to be. If he wants to be, yeah. Because... Um,
0: there was no girls with us, right? Yeah. He wasn't trying to impress any girls or okay. become... like there, It wasn't a macho... Show like thing. yeah it wasn't like chest pounding situation had there been I think a girl there or a couple girls or something I think then he would just like he so I, I have a feeling he would like change you know his disposition
1: okay, yeah, yeah, yeah
0: those guys are that way but yeah he was totally cool with us and he knew that we were big fans okay you know so he's not gonna tear our world down
1: no 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 you know
0: and there was nothing else for him to do that was another thing There's no other distractions. We were, we were it. It's either us or he just goes back to like reading. This flyer of of, of what happened last week. He was that bored.
1: Okay. Okay. You know, this is
0: before iPhones or anything.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But it was good. I've never met Paul. I'd love to meet Paul.
1: Yeah, uh, I want to meet all of them. Um, I think Gene, I would know what to say. Paul. I'm not really sure. It's it, it, he seems to be very self-conscious and very um sort of protective of his private life and all that. So you I, and he doesn't seem to be like that into talking about kiss. I get that's the feeling I get from because he's he's in it. He is kiss. He he Why is kiss, talk about it. But that's- he, he needs the star and the makeup and all that. And he's, he's more, I don't know, he, he sort of separates himself in a way that I find um, sort of hard to pin down. Like, who are you really? Uh, I read his biography, which was the most anticipated one of all the Kiss biographies. And, and oh my, like, it, it, that, that, that was a tough life. From the start, and he's dealt with so much self-doubt and insecurities, and and being bullied as a kid, and and always being like you know um, picked upon and all that, and and there's there's a lot of sensitivity with Paul that I register now that I didn't register from before. It's it's funny though because like I always looked upon Ace and and Peter as the rock and rollers, but when you think of it. It, it it it's actually Paul and Gene because they were focused on music. They wanted to do music. They weren't into, in you know, wild partying, whatever, and, and and being like all self-destructive and all that. They 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 wanted to play in a band. That's being that's rock and rollers for me.
0: When I look at Ace and Peter, I I, I think the same way. I think of Ace as, oh, he wants to drive fast cars and Peter wants to shoot off guns. Yeah. When I think of Paul, I think of, yeah, this guy wants to strap on a guitar and sing.
1: Yeah. And even, I mean, reading Peter's book is very bitter. <laughs> then you got Ace, he's, he's like, it's, it's kind of like a dry cracker that he throws you because you want to know so much more, but he doesn't remember it. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah then, right, right. Yeah, right. And, then, and it's like, okay, so Paul and Gene dragged you around for so many years doing doing what you did, and they really protected the image that you were in the band. Yeah. When you weren't, really, because, I mean, Peter wasn't there for Dynasty, and he didn't play an Unmasked Ace, creatures of the night he didn't play a note on that record it's still on the cover you know just because they needed to to protect the image but also they were under contract obligations that kiss were gene paul and ace at that point and when that got uh, obvious that ace wasn't in the band the contract was void and yeah. they had to renegotiate with their record label and they lost tons of money from and that's always like Gene and Paul, you know, they can slam Ace all they want in, in media and all and say like, yeah, he fucked up and he left the band and he shouldn't he's not uh, fit to wear that makeup anymore and blah blah. But in reality they're just pissed that he left right in the moment when they needed him the most. Like that's you know, they lost the big phonogram contract. Because Ace wasn't in in the band at that point, so that's all that's the only thing it's about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it seems to have been patched up.
1: Oh yeah, the 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 new uh, Ace really origins the fire and water, fire did and
0: you, water, did the you, free A cover.
1: Oh did. yeah, did you see the the interview they made?
0: Yeah, the six the, minute interview. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was nice. You yeah, know? I
1: loved it. Yeah. You know,
0: just Paul's Paul. Paul's He's Paul's always Paul. on. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, they it's like he's got kind of a screw up his back. You know, like, yeah. you yeah. know they, yeah. like, they 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 just turned him on. <laughs> turn him on. And and but still just seeing them without makeup, just hanging out, having a good time means more to me than I mean, rumors right now are that Ace is gonna return when this tour is over. Uh, which I can't really see happening, you know, it's it's just too weird. I'd rather see them just being friends and making yeah, yeah, a yeah. song like.
0: I think that's what's really gonna happen. Yeah. I, they're older now. Why? Just you guys have your campy as his. Yeah. I think the the Ace, especially with the the cover, mm-hmm. I mean with uh, the the um, Paul appearance, yeah. gave Ace a much needed shot in the arm for this album mm-hmm. of his, and I think it'll do really well because of it. So. I think it's all water under the bridge now.
1: Yeah, no. All... I think
0: what it could do is set off even more yeah. of these kinds of things. Maybe next Gene will will do it or Ace will play a solo on the neck. You know, something like something that. Something
1: like that. And I I'd rather have that than another shot at the original lineup. Yeah. And I I'm not saying that to diss anyone. It's just that that train has left. That's yeah. just not in the stars anymore.
0: It's not going to lure anyone no. to check KISS out, you know. The people who they've who are going to check them out are going to check them out regardless of Ace is in the band or not.
1: Uh-huh. And also, I think KISS are so happy about where they are as a band right now. Yeah. Paul is the boss. Gene is the spokesperson. Eric and Tommy are hired guns that are doing their job, and they know they're doing a job, and mm-hmm. they have no... Uh, problems with playing this part and and they are corporate kiss they're doing kiss crews and last night i went to see kiss rocks vegas at the the, the movie theaters. yeah yeah right you, yeah and and uh that that's what they're doing they're headlining festivals and they're doing very um they got you know they're, they're corporate kiss that's where they want to be and they they're not interested in they want to play it safe. That's what they want to do, and and everybody agrees, and that's I don't see a need for them to change at this point.